His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to His and Hers Horror. My name is Tia. And my name's David. And David, do you like to laugh? Uh, I like to try to laugh, yeah. Do you like Do you like to be scared? Uh, it's a challenge, but yes. Then I have a great episode for you that is coming up right now as we're doing it. Is it a horror episode about Monopoly? No. No. We'll have to save that for... <laughs> We'll have to save that for another time. <laughs> Good. Because you said you wouldn't play Monopoly with me anymore. So. No, I will never play Monopoly with you again. I was taught to play Monopoly wrong, so we'll never play Monopoly again. No, this is... We're going to talk about horror comedies. Okay. Horror and comedy kind of go together. Robert Block, the guy who wrote Psycho, actually has said that comedy and horror are opposite sides of the same coin. I could see that, and science backs that up. Yeah. science. Wait, science backs it up? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I did a little bit of research, and I was thinking about horror and comedy, fear, laughter. They both kind of help bring some drugs to the table, and those are ones that we produce. So for the fear response, we have, and this is going to get kind of sciencey for a second, I apologize for any medical people out there. If I mispronounce something, my apologies. But Sorry, uh, Mom. Uh, We have a hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, or HPA axis for short, which is basically our central stress response system, which releases neurotransmitters or chemical messengers that start at the instance of the stimulus, the the fright, and cause the heart racing, the fast breathing, the energized muscles, basically the ingredients for fight-or-flight response. Those chemicals include dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine, also known as adrenaline, glutamate, gamma amniobutric acid or GABA and serotonin. Laughter brings dopamine and endorphins to the table. So really fear you get a much stronger cocktail. Interesting. So it can act so there's actually some science behind watching scary movies to make yourself feel better. Well yeah, because it can arm you for dealing with with a fright, but you get that kind of calm down and sort of a a, a protective high if you will. Right. Well, and that's that's kind of awesome because I know, I don't know about other people, but like when I'm homesick, I will, I watch scary movies just because I find them comforting. The Saw franchise in particular, I will watch just because a couple of years ago for Christmas, David got me the entire series on Blu-ray. Granted, this was before Jigsaw came out and before they were said they were going to release Spiral. So at the time it was the entire series and every disc has at least two movies on it. So that's awesome because then I can just pop in a disc and I don't have to get up or be like readjust being comfortable for several hours. <laughs> I'm glad you like them. I do like them. I watch them all the time. One thing I find interesting about horror comedies is, and, and I know I've mentioned this before, I kind of dare horror movies to scare me because a lot of things don't scare me. I'll, I'll just stare at it and go, okay, so do this. That's not me trying to say I'm, I'm a tough guy. It's just after doing quite a bit of skydiving, I mean, I'm not a pro or anything, and some other life experiences, you know, the, the threshold is set pretty high, but I've also been in the same place with comedy since as far back as I can remember. I remember 
sixth, seventh grade, there being times where I'd have a bad day at school and I'd turn on a comedy channel and I would literally sit there and say, okay, make me laugh and sit there and try not to cry while I was waiting for something to make me laugh. Yeah. No, there's a lot of stuff when it comes to horror comedy that you can kind of look back at our at our history because mm. we've got it's not often called horror comedy more m- people are more likely to call it uh, black humor dark comedy or even gallows humor okay yeah um, so gallows humor a lot of the times is making some sort of funny remark in a not funny situation and it's my understanding that usually all also hangs around death rather than saying you know you wouldn't use gallows humor for someone who has a flat tire but uh right exactly grandma died so that's you know making a joke about that would be considered gallows humor right so for example one of the earliest and it doesn't have to just be people being executed it's death in general Mm -hmm. one main thing of gallows humor is often like people's last words One example is author and playwright Oscar Wilde, if you're familiar with his work. When he died, he was actually destitute and was living in a boarding house. And there's different speculations on exactly what he said, but it's thought that his last words were either that wallpaper goes or I do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Sir Thomas More, actually when he was climbing the scaffolding for his execution, said, I pray you, Mr. Lieutenant, see me safe up, and for my coming down, let me shift for myself. Okay, well, I mean, those are words. Those are... (laughs) Uh, One of the other fun ones is that I really like. It's... I'm not necessarily a fan of Reagan and of Reagan's politics, but there's some funny stuff that he said when he's when people have tried to assassinate him, mm-hmm. specifically after he was shot by John Hinckley Jr. It's been reported that he said like several jokes, one of them being to his wife, he said, honey, I forgot to duck. Jeez. Oh, and another one was uh, all in all, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. And the famous one that he is reported to have said to his doctors is, please tell me you're Republicans. Oh, goodness. I know. And then we have some, we have some more in popular culture. So like, always look on the bright side of life. From, Monty Python. From, yeah, exactly. But one of the other famous literary ones, as far as Gallo's humor, is in Romeo and Juliet. So Mercutio actually has a couple after he is stabbed by Tybalt in that duel. Mm-hmm. There's the, they've made worms mean of me. Right, right, right. But the other big one is when Romeo says, Courage, man, the hurt cannot be much. Mercutio says, No, tis not so deep as a well, nor so wide as a church door, but tis enough, t'will serve. Ask for me tomorrow, and you shall find me a grave man. Oh, Mercutio. I know. Literature's so great. I love it. But we don't just have gallows humor. We also have dark humor, and one of my favorites, I love satire. Yeah. Satire is great. Are you familiar with A Modest Proposal? Heard of it. You've heard of it. Okay. So I was a literary major in college, so I've had to read it a couple times, I think. Uh, so A Modest Proposal, it's written by Jonathan Swift. So it's the same guy who did Gulliver's Travels. Right. And he was kind of known for his satire at the time, uh, and even more so now when he studied. So A Modest Proposal was published in 1729. It's a satirical essay in which Jonathan Swift 
suggests that the poor and impoverished Irish people ease their troubles by selling their children as food to the rich. And it gives this, it even, he's like got this whole economic breakdown and like, oh, you could even sell certain kinds of your children because, you know, the meat of a baby is going to be far more tender than the meat of an eight-year-old and thing, things of that nature. And it was really intended to mock the heartless attitude that most wealthy people had towards the poor, as well as the attitude that the British had towards the Irish in general at the time. Of, crank, of the, cranking yeah. out a lot of babies, yeah. Cranking out a lot of babies, being poor, and just, they, they weren't, for a lot of the history of the United Kingdom, the Irish were not thought well of by the British. Oh, heavens no. But, <laughs> uh, and then another one we have is often cited as the first comedy horror story. Okay. And that is uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. There's comedy in that? It's, I guess, it's intended to have basically a lot of people at the time, at the time, and even again now studying it, there's juxtaposition where you're laughing at the situation of this gangly school teacher one minute, and then the next minute you're scared because of what's going on with the Headless Horseman. Hmm. Supposedly. In all fairness, though, and, and I was telling Tia about this earlier, I've come, I've come to the realization that in looking at horror comedies, sometimes I don't realize either the movie is a horror or realize that the movie is a comedy. I don't always see the humor that they're trying to <laughs> bank it as. So I'm just like, because what you just described there, that's you know mocking a person who has no control over their height or being gangly. I mean, no one can be Gaston. Like, well, I mean, Gaston can't even anymore, so... Yeah, there's also, I I couldn't find any examples, but there were, and if any of my literature friends can give me some examples, that Liter would be great. Literature friends? Like friends that are into wrote? Friends that are into literature. Oh, okay. I thought you meant people you made up in a page. No. Okay. Any of my friends who are into literature could find me some examples. A lot of the research that I did mentioned that Edgar Allan Poe wrote some comedy horror or some, some dark comedy stuff at one point. But when I really think about his stuff, I can't think of anything that's funny. Because I think of, there's nothing funny in The Raven. There's nothing funny in The Telltale Heart. There's nothing funny in The Pit and the Pendulum. So I'm like, what exactly is funny? Maybe it's subjective. Maybe well, it is. Both in the comedy side and the horror side, because like, what? while one person might laugh at someone falling over, another person might say, why are you laughing? Go help them up, then laugh at them. Yeah, you make sure they're okay first, and then you laugh. Someone trips and falls. You're like, are you all right? You're, you're fine? Okay, now I'm going to laugh for five minutes because that was hilarious. Right. So there's more literature nowadays mm -hmm. that I would consider horror comedy. One in particular that I have read is uh, John Dies at the End by David Wong. Mm. It is, it's so, it's, his stuff is very weird, but if you can get past the weirdness, it's also really interesting. Another one that I would recommend is um, anything by Yahtzee Croshaw. Oh yes, is also really good. I jam. haven't, I haven't finished reading Jam. Jam is good, but it's yeah. I would love it if they would make Jam into a movie, but I, I would also be scared for them to do it because I don't think they would do it justice. No. Basically, Jam. Not to spoil anything, but Jam is about a guy who is living. I believe he lives in Australia. Yeah, with his flatmates. With his flatmates, and he wakes up one morning, and the entire city is covered in this slime that smells like strawberries yeah it's a s strawberry jam and it will eat you yes it, it basically it eats organic material yeah so don't put it on toast 
No, don't put it on toast. So when we get into horror comedy films, when we started doing research for this, the first thing I thought about was Abbott and Costello. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever watch any of the, the Abbott and Costello stuff? I did, but I never really cared for the ones where they brought in, you know, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. It's like, good for you. Yeah, that's the that's actually the one I have in my notes. Uh, it was the first commercially successful horror comedy movie, actually. And it spawned a lot of sequels because there's um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. There's uh, the Wolfman. Meet, meet the... I don't think there's... Wolfman's actually in the Frankenstein one. Oh, well, I mean, so they met him. They met him. He's he's part of the Frankenstein one. The, meets Frankenstein, they meet Dracula and the Wolfman as well. So what's Wolfman? Like Hawkeye to, to the rest of this cinematic universe? I don't know, man. But uh. then he also does meet the mummy, meets Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, that kind of thing. I... At one point in time, my mom, for some reason, was really into getting us these older movies that she used to watch when she was growing up. So there was a period period of time where she had we had quite a few of these actually one of the other ones that was also her favorites not necessarily a horror comedy but it is like a murder mystery farce kind of thing it's a it's got don knots and tim conway in it it's called the private eyes oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay that's another one that is it has some spooky bits if you're a kid spooky bits <laughs> now on sale 9.99 a bag spooky bits <laughs> Uh, but no, it has some spooky parts, then. Bits is not okay with you. <laughs> no, I'm fine with the bits. All right. It has some spooky parts to it, especially when you're seeing it for the first time as a kid. Right. There's There are some parts that are kind of creepy. But all in all, I mean, it's Don Knotts and Tim Conway. It's not meant to be scary. Oh, Don Knotts' neck always kind of scared me a little bit as a kid. It, it was actually one of my uncle's favorite, my Uncle Joe. It was one of his favorite movies when he was a kid. My grandpa made me watch, uh, was it the Incredible Mr. Limpet? Yes! And my mom told me that it would be rude if I fell asleep during it. <laughs> so that was the longest, it felt like, seven-hour movie I ever watched in my life. I know it's not that long. It's but, not that long, no. But when you're six... And trying to make sure your grandpa doesn't get sad because you fell asleep. Oh. It's stressful. So, yeah, that's... From then on, Don Knotts and I have just been like, okay, you stay over there, I'll stay over here, and I'm going to go to sleep now. Okay, well, bad news, because I have another Don Knotts movie on me. (laughs) The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. The what? It's called the go- it's called the ghost and Mr. Chicken. Oh, Mr. Chicken. I thought you said the ghost and Mr. Shaken. I'm like, no, well, he probably was shaking a lot in that movie because that was kind of his whole shtick when he was scared is just mm. like quivering like a giant child. But no, the ghost and Mr. Chicken is actually a comedic take on an earlier film called the ghost and Mrs. Muir. Okay. Which I am also not familiar with. But jumping ahead, I'm just going to skip because that was in 1966. We're going to jump ahead to 1981. There were slashers to watch back then, by the way. There was better shit. So jumping ahead uh, in my notes, we have The Evil Dead. Yes. And... Wait, that's scary? Well, to me it is because the special effects are really gross. I've It's one of those ones where I've seen it and I'm good now. I don't need to watch it again. The fun thing about the first Evil Dead is Sam Raimi wasn't really trying to make a funny movie. He was legitimately trying to make something scary. <laughs> and it was just so camp and over the top that it ended up being funny. That's kind of why the other films that came after Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness 
they lean heavy into the into the comedy element of horror comedy. So Bruce Campbell was kind of like the uh, Robert England of horror comedy, really able to pull it off and really pull the essence of what he was doing through it. A bit, yeah. It's an interesting film to watch when you go back to it because you're just like how you're you kind of wonder how they were taking themselves so seriously when they were doing the first one because you watch it and you're just like there's nothing there's not really anything serious about this this is goofy and it's just really funny i just i don't know i really like it and it and it launched you know it launched bruce campbell's career which so thank you for that yeah absolutely because bruce campbell's awesome and then one of the other horror comedies that we kind of have we touched on this film a little bit in our slashers list or slashers episode oh uh well the nightmare on elm street franchise oh yeah 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 because if you kind of look at it you've got the the in the first film freddie doesn't really say a whole lot and what he does say isn't jokes it's not oh my god how many times this episode are you gonna say that i don't know (laughs) someone keep track no he doesn't they're not really they're not it's not like the later stuff in the franchise you get where it's not like in dream warriors where he grabs someone and is like welcome to prime time bitch and then shoves them into a tv that's a joke yes it's meant to be a, for fuck's sake <laughs> yes it is meant to be a joke jesus christ and then the wanna suck face right right that's right, right, that's right. a yeah. joke that's that's funny okay yeah yeah I mean, I, I always thought the how sweet fresh meat was. I, I got in trouble for saying that on the playground, menacing people, acting like I had Freddy Krueger claw. Yeah. Know. At least it's not as bad as in Freddy versus Jason, wherein he says to a black character, how sweet dark meat. Yeah, that that reached into... Yeah, there's some problematic lines in that movie. There's problematic lines in most of the films and most of the genres you'll find as... I'm sure if you recorded yourself and then listened to yourself in five years, you'd say, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I said that, yeah. No, that one... So, yeah, so Nightmare on Elm Street really, after the first movie, really started laying into the comedic aspects of Freddy Krueger, right. I felt. And then we also have... And this this franchise, I feel like, was always funny. There was always jokes, and that is Child's Play. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it's a doll, you know. I, so you've got Charles Lee Ray, and he's like, you know, great, I'm this fucking doll now. Yeah. So. Well, he knew what he was doing. He knew he was putting his soul into a doll. He just didn't mean for it to be permanent. It was an act of temporary desperation. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, it was. And part of the thing that I feel like is the problem when it comes to the Child's Play films is because they started out being at least somewhat funny is that gave them the license to go completely fucking buck wild. Because you get to stuff like Seed of Chucky and you're just like, what even is going on anymore? I mean, John Waters has a cameo in that movie for fuck's sake. That actually brought it some legitimacy. Yeah, it's a weird movie. <laughs> Pretty much anything after Bride of Chucky is really... even Actually, even Bride of Chucky. Bride of Chucky has its moments where you're just like, what am I even watching right now? But when you get past that one, you're just like, "What? why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I watching this? Yeah, well, you know, good guy dolls are... I mean, at least from my memory... I, I could be wrong, but I feel like the Child's Play movies actually came out right around the time that uh, My Buddy and Kid Sister Dolls yes. 
uh, came out, and it was always a two-parter commercial because it would first do the whole My Buddy. They would do the My Buddy, yeah. And then it would, like, shift right into Kid Sister, um, which was the same song but rewritten with different words. Those dolls were terrifying to begin with. You didn't have to put a murderer in it. Mm-mm. Life-size dolls are weird. I mean, my talking fievel, I, ha- I didn't have a Teddy Ruxpin, but my talking fievel scared the crap out of me one day because it moved its mouth, you know, in sort of sync with the sound that came out. Yeah. But you put a cassette tape in. And I had no idea that since I had a tape in it that I had, you know, it was my own mixtape sort of thing. There was like this five minute long silence on this tape. And then it just started talking. I took five minutes past. I was a kid. I I had no idea that that it was going to just start talking to me again. So I ran out of the room. Yeah, I just I <laughs> we're going to have to do an episode about toys that we got when we were kids that were creepy AF. Strawberry shortcake. Furby. Mm. So now we've kind of gotten into now that we've kind of laid a little bit of the groundwork. Um, I want to talk about some of the more modern. I say modern, but some of the stuff came out like 20-ish years ago. So you know what I mean. You know what I mean when I say modern. As far as I'm concerned, there's two different kinds of horror comedies. There's the spoof and then there's the homage horror comedies. So spoof horror movies, one franchise that we've gotten is uh, the Scary Movie franchise, which... I made it with my special hand. I made my special hand. (laughs) Which, again, they started out making fun of mostly horror movies, but then the longer that that series went on, the more it just became like anything goes. Spoof, if we can write a movie. joke, if we can write a joke about it, we're just going to put it in. They it had the bones were making fun of horror, but then they just kind of like slapped whatever else they could onto the framework just to make a movie. One of the other ones that is by the I think it's by the same people and that is a haunted house okay yeah which just came out within the past couple of years there's that there was also a sequel and that was a spoof of like the paranormal activity and the conjuring type movies yeah another one that I had actually forgot I forgot this movie existed and now I kind of want to go back and watch it and see if it's if it's as funny as I remember it being when I was in my early 20s and that is are you familiar with the movie Club Dread? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, okay. So it was one of Broken Lizards. I think it was the first movie that Broken Lizard did after Super Troopers. Yes. And it's all about this guy. Uh, I think his name is Coconut Pete, if I remember from looking at the Wikipedia earlier. Who knows? It, but it's it has the late Bill Paxton. Yes. Basically as an offshoot Jimmy Buffett who owns a resort and people start getting murdered at the resort. And that's the movie and just jokes off of that. And then another one that's that's also kind of falls into the spoof. It's it's spoof, but it's also kind of meta horror. I, I debated on where to put it exactly. Okay. And that is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I love that movie. I think it deserves its own category, honestly, because, because they're not in a horror movie. No. But everyone else is. Exactly. Yeah. If you haven't seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil, it's good. It's probably still on Netflix. It's it's on there a lot. Find it wherever you stream videos legally. Yes, please. It's really good. Alan Tudyk and Tyler Labine are these two rednecks, basically, who have bought a house out in the woods, and it's their their it's their vacation home, basically. They're gonna go fix it up, and they're just happen to be at the same time these college students who are in any other movie. These college students would be the leads. Yeah, they they'd be your your 
Camp Crystal Lake counselors or... Exactly. Yeah. But they see Tucker and Dale, and because these teenagers have been raised on, you know, sleepaway camp and Friday the 13th and... Wrong turn. Wrong turn and stuff like that, they automatically assume that these guys are murderers. And just hilarity ensues from that. I, I don't even want to tell you about any any of the hilarity because... It's so good, though. I If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's really funny. If you're if having you have, a bad day... If you have seen it, watch it again. Yeah, if you watch it as many times as you like. So I mentioned that I feel like there's two categories. Right. There's spoof and homage. My first one that I would say is more an homage is Shaun of the Dead. Absolutely. It, it, it's an homage to the, the zombie, cla- you know, the zombie classic films. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So fun story about Shaun of the Dead. I did not intend to see Shaun of the Dead when it, when it came out in theaters. I didn't even know it existed. So I was in college and myself and a bunch of friends, we were going to go see the first Saw movie. But by the time we got to the theater, every single showing of Saw for that night was completely sold out. And the person taking tickets was like, well, we have this other movie that's also starting. It's called Shaun of the Dead. Do you guys want to maybe see that instead? And we're like, we're already here. So we might as well. And it was so great. I'm so glad we saw it. I'm actually, I'm actually happy that... Saw was sold out and I got to have this fun comedy horror experience with some of my friends from college and it was just great. It introduced me to Simon Pegg and it introduced me to Edgar Wright and his work and it's just super great. Anything in the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy is is fantastic but Shaun of the Dead is always going to have a special place in my heart. Aww. So one of the other ones that I think I I distinctly remember talking our friend Gray. Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember talking them into seeing this movie with me. I don't remember if we saw it in theaters or not, but I know I talked them into watching it. And that is Slither. I I talked them into watching it because Nathan Fillion's in it and they love Nathan Fillion, which if you don't love Nathan Fillion, what are you even doing? He's he's amazing. He's a great person. So the thing about Slither is it is James Gunn's directorial debut. And everyone should know who James Gunn is by now, because at this point, he's done the Guardians of the Galaxy films, and he's he's kind of become more of a big name. But at the time, he had only really ever done like some production assistant work for like trauma films. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a long history with trauma, but that'll be for another episode. Yeah, we'll talk about that at some point. So this was actually his first, the, his directorial debut. And quick side note, James Gunn is from Missouri. He's actually from St. Louis. Cool. Yeah, he went to SLU. He got his BA. Oh, well, nobody's um, perfect. SLU. Yeah, but Sorry, he, SLU. <laughs> he grew up in uh, St. Louis and Manchester. Cool. And it's got... It's okay. So it's kind of hard. It kind of is an homage to the alien creature feature kind of movies that were coming out in the 1950s. Okay. So yeah, the like, the alien communist combo. It, exactly. Yeah. So it basically a, a meteor strikes. Mm, I love it when it's meteor. <laughs> in this small town and one of the guys in town finds it and gets infected with a parasite and basically starts spreading it throughout the town there's more how 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 does he spread it well oh okay so what happened was he uses a couple of tentacles in his chest Uh to impregnate a woman with like all these alien slug babies 
And then she gets real, real big. So when is this funny? It, it is funny. She gets real, real big. And then once she gets real, real big, then she explodes. And then all the alien slug babies go distribute themselves and they get into people's brains via their mouths. Ew. Yeah. But it's Ew. also funny. <laughs> it's also really funny. No, there's this one. There's this one part where like, because it doesn't just do it doesn't just get to humans. It also gets to animals and stuff. So there's this one part where Nathan Fillion's character is being attacked by like a zombie deer. And this one person he's with just like hits it with a fire extinguisher and is like, that's Bill Party you're fucking with. <laughs> and Elizabeth Banks is in it too. She's the, the wife of the guy who gets infected. But it's got a, little, a lot of fun little horror homages. So like there's a farm mm-hmm. on in the town that is run by the Castavets. Okay. And if if you are if you are un- unaware, the Castavets are the name of the couple from uh, Rosemary's Baby, the Satan worshippers. One of the other really cool things that I had forgotten about actually is the mayor of the town is named Jack McCready. Okay, that that's that's some that's some deep cuts right there. That is some deep cuts because not only is the mayor named after he, the mayor is named after two different characters that have both been played by Kurt Russell in movies that have both been made by John Carpenter. <laughs> so he's he's named Jack McCready, Jack from Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China, and McCready from R.J. McCready from The Thing. It, I'm not, I feel like I'm not selling it well. No. I, the, but I fucking love this movie, you guys. It's so good. <laughs> so here's the thing. I know a lot of people do this. Uh, you know, they'll, they're like, I don't know if I want to watch this. So they'll read a brief synopsis online or, you know, they'll ask, you know, a trusted friend random stranger you know grab someone on on the bus and just say what is this movie <laughs> but uh you know that's one person's take on it and and <laughs> I, I i think you're selling it pretty well you know the guy who played yondu in yes. guardians of the galaxy he's yes. the guy who's got infected yes he's the tentacle guy yondu got yonded yeah yeah r.i.p yondu r.i.p yondu he's mary poppins y'all yeah, exactly <laughs> i have two more movies that i want to mention Okay. And this is, again, part of the conversation when David and I were prepping this episode. I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about this movie. And he was like, that's a comedy. (laughs) I told you. And I was like, yeah, 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 there's funny bits. There's really funny bits. Where? Um, Did I watch the wrong cut? I think we're just going to have to rewatch some of these because clearly I had a different experience than you did. So one of the other movies that I'm going to mention is The Babysitter. Yes, that that was a fun movie. Yeah, so it's on Netflix. It stars um, Samara Weaving, who is Hugo Weaving's niece, actually. Way cuter, in my opinion. She's adorable. She's so pretty. She's also, if you've seen uh, Ready or Not, she plays the, the bride in that yes and so basically the babysitter is about this kid who after being prompted by a friend decides he's gonna sneak out and see what his babysitter gets up to after he goes to sleep well it turns out what his babysitter gets up to is uh satan worship and human sacrifices i mean extracurricular activities are important to help round out uh you know a young adult's uh development yeah it's really funny robbie amell is also in it so is bella thorne and it's just it's it's really funny it's totally worth a watch it's on netflix i highly recommend it there were a couple parts where i was just dying laughing the other one that i want to mention last one is one that we watched recently that also had me dying and that was little monsters oh my gosh that was great 
And it made me, cr- you know, that's I think that might be indicative of uh, a horror comedy for me personally, is if it makes me cry. Yeah. Because that's apparently my response to those. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Uh, it's It was actually an international co-production between Australia, the UK, and the United States. Neat. Uh, it's, I believe it's filmed, it was filmed in Australia, and it basically is about uh, this washed up musician who I believe his name is Dave. It is. Yeah, his name is Dave. I felt very offended. I'm sorry. That's okay. But he is kind of down on his luck. He's living with his sister and her son and decides because he finds his his nephew's kindergarten teacher to be very attractive that he's going to go with them on a field trip to this animal farm and next door to the animal farm is the u.s military base where they're experimenting with zombie viruses for some reason for some reason and some zombies get out and stuff happens at the park and the whole movie is basically just uh lapita nyongo plays the teacher her name is miss caroline and it's her trying to shield the kids from what's going on by making everything seem like it's a game one of the things that i that killed me is she goes to get some she goes to get some stuff off of the bus because they can't leave because the bus driver's been zombified and nobody else knows how to drive it so she goes to get something off the bus and she comes back she had been wearing like a bright yellow dress and now it's just got patches of red all over it from her kicking ass and the kids are like oh my god miss caroline what happened and she's like i got in a jam fight <laughs> yeah because it's jam not it's just viscera. It's just don't put it in your mouth. Don't eat it. But it's it's so good. It's really good. Uh, Josh Gad is in it as this um, child star, American child star called Teddy McGiggle. Like 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 a like a children's show host. Yeah, children's show host. And um, it's but he's just like the biggest asshole, and it's hilarious. I mean, he's actually basically what I would have pictured Barney off camera. Yeah basically any basic any child's television show star who hates their life rolled up into one character and it's, it's super great it's beautiful if you do, they do sing taylor swift a lot though so if you're not a fan of that interesting thing when I, when we first watched this movie i did a little quick little googling afterwards so the song that they sing the taylor swift song is shake it off obviously Mm -hmm. and originally they couldn't get the rights to the song and then lupita nyong'o actually reached out to taylor swift personally and explained to her why it had to be that song and like this is how it fits in the narrative this is why it needs to be the song it would mean so much to us if we could use it and taylor swift was like okay sure take that production company exactly do you have any horror comedies i know that's a difficult question to ask you because it it is it is <laughs> i managed to i managed to find three okay and you know you did this very scientific and literary breakdown which i'm sure we you know we all appreciate i I'm did sorry <laughs> i did the i did the armchair couch version which was uh i did three the first one is a bit more horror than comedy but it depends on how dark your sense of humor is because then it's just a complete comedy mm-hmm. it's called cheap thrills yes and i gotta say damn i love this film and so good. i'm I'm glad it's technically a horror comedy, so I can talk about it now. The general premise, because I don't want to give anything away, but the general premise is two guys who used to know each other back in the day happen to wind up in an escalating and quite lucrative kind of one-upmanship challenge that starts simple but leads to mutilation and hijinks. Yeah. I actually wrote the word hijinks just so I would remember to say it. It's, It's dark. It 
can be a bit bleak. It has some actors where you'd be like, wait, this person's in it? I don't even want to tell you who's in it. Nobody's getting any money from me. Okay. I mean, you can tell them. I'm, the guy who plays Champ in Anchorman is in it. Yes. <laughs> and he's not one of the two buddies. No, he's not. He's he's kind of like running the thing. So it, it's when someone who you usually think is is happy and friendly is the one being the darkest. That's when it that's when you know the volume's turned up. Another one that we kind of stumbled on and said, what the hell? Why not? Let's watch it. It can't possibly be as bad as the last movie we watched is Murder Party. <laughs> I absolutely love this film. I highly recommend it to anyone. If you're feeling down on your luck, it's a great film. If you've ever been called a loser in your life, it can be a great film. If you have, if you like to see really grumpy cats, trust me, there is a really grumpy cat. Don't worry, the cat doesn't get harmed. No, the cat's fine. Cat lives. Basically, murder party. You've got this relatively unlikable, I don't really want to call him a loser, but he, he's a generally unlikable, unpopular person. He's just kind of a nobody. Yeah, and he finds this really fancy i mean it is swish uh is that still a word i don't, I don't know. know it's this really nice looking invite to this like super exclusive halloween party so the guy goes home and he didn't have any plans so he he goes and he does this and it turns out that uh the lost invite that he picks up is actually a ruse shenanigans ensue he has one of the most pathetic defense attacks i've ever seen in my life <laughs> Uh, there's there's a part where he attempts to throw the contents of a uh, janitor's closet at his captors. It's just pipes. And it's it's it, it it's I guess effective in the way like if someone said hang on and they do something really weird that just makes the people stop for a second and go what it's effective and not that it hurts them but it makes them stop and go what the fuck are you doing. And there is a chase scene, and all I'm going to tell you is this. There is a chase scene that involves an electric chainsaw. Yeah. So do the math, folks, on the this range one, of this chase. Yeah. This one is also on Netflix. Oh, is it? Is it still? It should. Well, it might still be on Netflix. You go ahead and talk about your next one, and I'll check. Okay. And then the last one that I feel is a horror comedy, although I don't know if it is a horror or a comedy. I don't think it technically qualifies as a horror, but... I find it scary as all hell, is a movie that came out a while back called Idiocracy. Uh, So hear me out. Luke Wilson plays this guy, accidentally gets frozen for like 500 years, and he awakes to this dystopian world of hyper-commercialism and anti-intellectualism chilling and then he's ostensibly the the smartest person in the world this is a world devoid of intellectual curiosity or social responsibility or just general justice it's got what plants crave basic human rights (laughs) it's it's just too fucking close to home for right now i know Um, so but it's also funny because there's there are things to laugh at if not just to keep yourself from crying yes um, Murder Party, by the way, is still on Netflix. Yay! Uh, so is The Babysitter. At least at time of recording. At time of recording this, yes. One of the other ones that I do in looking that up that I forgot about that I want to mention is... Here we go. What? <laughs> First of all, fuck off. Thank you. Second of all, it's called Little Evil. Oh, yes. And I've forgotten about this. And now that I'm looking at it again, I remember it. If anybody's a Parks and Rec fan and likes Adam Scott. Oh, yeah. The guy with the big head. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I guess. Mean, Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Just some of the shirts, I think, made his head look big. He's yes. got a perfectly normal head. 
but it's got uh, it's got him in it. It's also got Evangeline Lilly, mm-hmm. and it's basically about this guy who is is dating this beautiful woman, but there's something weird about her kid. And this kid, it's it's a, he's a very very the omen looking Damien little motherfucker. And so yeah, it basically is her kid is the son of Satan. And it's just him trying to bond with this demon child, basically, so that he can be with the woman that he loves. Oh, yeah, it's kind of sweet. It, it is. And when we first sat down to start watching it, my first fear was that it was going to be one of the worst. Maybe this is a horror comedy. I don't know. But I hated the film when I saw it in theaters. And that was Problem Child. Because the kid was so obnoxious. Yeah. And John Ritter was a nice guy, but this kid just kind of, I don't know, it just didn't do it for me. Then again, I was also a kid too, and I'm like, I'm not that obnoxious, am I? I don't know why I liked those movies when I was a kid. Because you're a problem child. <gasps> no. Uh, j- just taking a stab in the dark. No. Well, my mom, we'll see what my mom says. Maybe. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> So I'm not really sure how to wrap this episode up as opposed to how we wrapped the the Slashers episode up because there's not really a lot to, there's not really any questions about horror comedy. There's not really a, I mean, I feel like because as we said at the beginning, they are opposite sides of the same coin. I feel like they go together. They're like, it's like, do you like peanut butter? Do you like chocolate? All right, put them together. Here's the Reese's. Have fun. Well, maybe something we can take away from it is... I know a lot of people, if they're feeling down, you know, especially in uncertain worlds, a comedy might be in order, but sometimes a comedy just doesn't tickle that right spot or fit the bill. Mm -hmm. Maybe try a horror. It doesn't even have to be a horror comedy. um, Because, you know, maybe you need different chemicals released. Or maybe you just might see something where you're like, wow, that's really creative. And then... I mean, I've watched horror movies where I thought about going into engineering again after seeing some of the Saw movies, so... And not to make murder traps or anything, but just seeing how creative it was. Yeah. And then I realized why I didn't want to go into engineering again. But what I'm trying to say is, if one flavor isn't doing it for you, try another. Yeah. Deep thoughts. Well, and the other cool thing is, like, if you're not really into into horror horror, at least you can... You know, when it comes to because when it comes to Halloween, I always want to watch scary movies and a lot of people want to watch scary movies and some people that's not their bag. So you can at least kind of get maybe a couple horror comedies and kind of at least toe that line with people. It's like if especially like if you have a significant other where they're not super into horror, you can be like, okay, well, this is this is also really funny. So it can kind of be something that maybe both of you can watch together. And because not everybody gets so lucky and finds somebody who loves horror movies just as much as they do. Use horror comedy to build that bridge with that special someone you love. That was very NPR. Thank you. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, You can reach us via email at h2horrorcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on our Twitter at h2horrorcast. You can also find us on Facebook, uh, His and Hers Horror. And again, we are looking at having a website at some point, probably within the next month. I'm not exactly sure. A couple weeks, maybe. A couple weeks, maybe. Again, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you for coming back again and again. If if you're returning, thank you. We really love that. Anything else to say, David? Thanks for listening. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. Bye. Music for this episode was Against Time by Shane Ivers from Silverman Sound.